We'll learn about a wild competition designed to crown the best cheesemonger in the land. We'll learn how to identify cheeses by taste and smell. We've got answers to all your cheesy questions. That's the Splendid Table from APM, American Public Media. Sunday at noon on Radio Catskill. Support for WJFF comes from Two Queens, offering coffee, tea, and bees. Located in Pete's Plaza, Narrowsburg, New York. TwoQueensCoffee.com. And from listener donations at WJFFRadio.org. Support for Radio Catskill comes from the Calicoon Theater, an updated vintage movie theater with new releases, film festivals, nostalgic screenings, live music events, and more. Information and schedule at thecalicoontheater.com. Good morning. Welcome to Catskill Character. I'm your host, Donna Fellenberg, and my guest this week is artist, inventor, musician, and Milanville, Pennsylvania resident, Dan Brinkerhoff. Originally from an Idaho family of five brothers, when Dan finished high school, he hitchhiked to Quebec City, Canada with $108 in his pocket because he wanted to learn French, and in order to do so, he spoke no English for eight months. That's the beginning of Dan's story, and I'm going to have him tell you the rest. Here's my conversation with Dan Brinkerhoff. Welcome to Catskill Character, Dan. Oh, well, thank you so much. Now, before we jump into your artistic journey, let's give the listener a little background about your family. Tell me about your mom and dad. That's quite interesting. My mother was a very European woman from New York City, had lived in Germany. She actually saw Adolf Hitler. They would go by in parades and so on, even to small towns. And then she left Germany, came to New York, and my dad was a, a Mormon pioneer. He was with the Navajos, so it was a very unlikely marriage. <laughs> but it, you know, it worked out for 23 years. Another thing from your childhood that was pretty amazing, I thought you, that you told me you learned taxidermy when you were around 13 years old. Yeah, there, there was a gentleman in our little town in Idaho that needed help, and he would get like big bears and all these things, dead animals, moose, elk. And uh, he taught me how to do skin them out. <laughs> you know, I never get involved with killing at all now. And I didn't then, but I did do taxidermy. I had some of the worst looking frogs and fish and, you know, dried up, terrible, <sighs> but fun. I did birds. I specialized in that. I could get that because they didn't seem to dry out so bad. So you didn't do a lot of the larger animals? No, he didn't do the, the taxidermy of the larger animals. Those were for skins. So we did tanning, which means you have to scrape all day, and it's awful. You smell like that, quite obnoxious. So you told me that you spent five years hitchhiking around the country, right? Yeah. Well, what was that like? Well, it was freedom... You can romanticize it. I remember once I went down Highway 1 with a banjo packed in my backpack all disassembled and two girls picked me up and we camped on the beach and I was so uh, pleased that I pulled that banjo out, put it all back together <laughs> and played the banjo for them. And I was, you know, I was 17. So, you know, yeah. something. But also, you know, there's plenty of fear, you know, that like you're coming into L.A. 
or something, you get dropped off. There's, mm-hmm. there's no safety. It's crazy. Back then, even, it was pretty crazy. People pretended that, oh, we're all nice hippies, but it's not true. Mm-hmm. But luckily, I had a guardian angel, and I never had the slightest problem. I even slept in February in the medium in Detroit under the overpasses in the wintertime, and I had the flu. You know, it got that bad. that. But then the next morning I woke up, I had just enough money to get a Greyhound bus, and I abandoned that idea of freedom because, mm. you know, it's just downright crazy sometimes. You told me um, a couple of things from that experience. You said you walked through Texas with a bicycle. You had a bicycle, but it was broken, and you had to kind of walk the bicycle through Texas, and you also became what you called a fierce dishwasher. Yeah, I I had uh, I was in Brownsville, Texas, studying Spanish, but I realized that Brownsville is a dangerous place to be. At the time, it was very much of a drug culture, and I couldn't even handle it at all. So I, I bought a, a three-speed for $30 with those uh, baskets on the back, and I loaded it up, and I headed out. I Actually, I was in New Orleans from Brownsville, and then I rode that thing to uh, El Paso, Texas. But about a third of the way, the bike, you know, it was a cheap piece of work, and I just ended up walking it the whole way. <laughs> but, you know, these are not hard luck stories at all. I mean, these were very much spiritual journeys. You know, who else does this? So I felt very uh, special. Mm -hmm. And I dealt with fear every day. I I remember I came into a small town in the middle of Texas, and I was getting water, and the guy came out and said, don't get water. We don't have any water. So I just kept filled up my canteen, and then I went out, and um, I saw a form in the distance, and as I rode up, it was an old man, like, uh, you know, a hardcore, but he was walking. He was 30 miles away from a town. So I rode up on him and he turned around and said, what? This is near Van Horn. It's flat. There's nothing there. He said, what are you doing here? You know, because my bike was clunking along and, and I said, what are you doing here? And then I, you know, I gave him my food and uh, water. So, you know, back then it was kind of a, a badge of honor to live that way. And it was a really unique meeting. Well, you know, speaking of fear, you know, you, t- you did tell me that you love the fear of being alone. Could you say more about that? I always felt that was a developmental thing to learn. Like anything you try to do that's actually worth doing, there's going to be fear. And, you know, people will justify their non-action by saying, well, you know, I would never do that. I'm scared of that. Or, But that's the whole idea. Be scared. It's fine. It's not real, you know. And if it is real, you're done anyway, so it doesn't really matter. So that's kind of how I've had a lot of conversation with fear. So you spent a lot of time on the Mexican border and you learned Spanish. I guess that's what you do when you try to learn a language. You immerse yourself in the culture. And you don't speak a lot of English. I went into uh, Agua Prieta, which is near Douglas, Arizona. And because I didn't have money, I rented an apartment over there for $30 a month, a nice apartment. But every day I walked by the prostitute area 
And the, the girls would always proposition me and I always said, no gracias. And then that became my name. <laughs> when I walked by, they would always say, here comes no gracias. <laughs> and uh, it was amazing, you know, being in, in Agua Prieta was, you know, those are my people. Wherever you go, you'll find your people. When did you move to this area, Dan? And what did you do when you got here? A partner and myself bought a house in Brooklyn. And then he went on a worldwide bicycle trip and left me to do all the work on the house, which was our agreement. So I finished the house and we sold it. I got some money and my wife and I moved here to Galilee, Pennsylvania, because my wife was pregnant at the time with our first child. And then after about eight months of thinking I was rich, I was completely broke. <laughs> and then, you know, spring came and I was out in my garden and I looked at a rock laying in the dirt. And I looked at my garden and I said, I could put the names of plants on these rocks and I could sell them. And then I would actually be able to be somewhat normal. For 13 or more years, I can't remember, but I did plant names, which is kind of boring, but then I could sell it really easily. And then I started doing all kinds of quotations and really meaningful things that will be on the earth for thousands of years because they're cut right in the rock. And the rocks were just things I found on the side of the road. You know, they were free. Mm. So it was a really cool business. And we used to be able to really make money with that. Mm. My wife, we had a school bus and she'd load up and go to Richmond for the weekend and come back with like $8,000. You know, it's incredible. Oh, wow. This is your first wife, correct? Yes. Didn't you also make a, um, a popcorn machine that was bicycle powered at that time? Yeah, it's imaginative. That's where I go. So mm -hmm. I uh, made a popcorn machine that was as big as a car and, and that you bicycle pedaled it and had this thing called a gear reduction. So if you pedaled a hundred times, it would move one foot. But, you know, okay. I, I was in a parade in the Calicoon tractor parade and I started at the front. They all passed me. Then I was at the clear at the back and about half hour later, I came into the park and you would think that would be a disaster, but then all the people got around and pushed me and we, cause they wanted popcorn, right? Then we got in the park and then, you know, I get really nervous and I started up making popcorn, but the damn uh, popcorn went on fire and, you know, it's like fear, right? Like, what do I do now? <laughs> yeah. Like teasing fear. But then, you know, I put out the fire, I dumped it out. I got, figured I had the heat too high. And then I started making the most delicious popcorn. It was a total success, but but it was good. I'm sure it was. <laughs> they started calling me the Colonel as as a result of that. <laughs> a million popcorn jokes, you know. I guess. Have you ever heard of this word? It's a German word, Kopfkino. No. Well, it literally means head cinema, and. When someone has this, it's like they have uh, a continuous reel of ideas going on in their heads, like a movie. And, and this reminds me of you, like you have all of these things going on all the, the same time. And I was wondering how you stick to one thing at a time. Hmm. That's a beautiful idea. I'm going to look that up. But yeah. the fact is that you, you just rely on passion. I mean, once you get something that strikes you, like you just have to do this, it's really about what the world needs. That's where my work comes from, what people need, not what I need. 
Mm. And, you know, once I see that, I'll go to great lengths to make it happen. And as far as how to choose, I mean, you make a lot of disasters. I made a, a machine that played the guitar, but there were six guitars all lined up with air pneumatic controls and windshield wipers that struck the strings. And I got six months into it, and I threw that thing in the garbage, and it was a complete waste of time. You're wrong. A lot of the time, you're just flat out oh. making a mistake. And, and you just have to be able to let go. You know, I, I want to spend some time talking to you about your music and your band Poison Love. But before we do that, we need to take a quick break, okay? Okay. You've been listening to Catskill Character on WJFF. I'm your host, Donna Fellenberg, and I'll be right back with my guest, Dan Brinkerhoff, after these messages. Hi there, I'm James Keelahan, and WJFF is home to many homegrown terrific shows. Folk Plus is an hour of engaging cuts that you might feel were assembled just for you. Pull up the archive site at wjffradio.org and see what Angela's theme was for the last week. Hi, I'm Angela Page, and that's James Keelahan, one of the people I play on my show. I play roots music, traditional singer-songwriter. I hope you'll tune me in anytime on the archives or Sundays at 4. The men and women in these industries built the most powerful union of all time. On this week's show, how Pittsburgh Saga uncovers the broken promises that drive our economy. People were collectively essential and individually disposable. The healthcare economy and the ruins of Big Steel on this week's On the Media from WNYC. Coming up this afternoon at 4 on Radio Catskill. WJFF Jeffersonville, W233AH Monticello. Welcome back to Catskill Character. If you've just joined us, my guest today is Dan Brinkerhoff truly a renaissance man if ever i saw one he's an artist an inventor a musician but probably more importantly he's a kind man who takes pride in what he does but he doesn't have an outsized ego he's extremely community-minded and truly enjoys doing things for other people now don't get me wrong he didn't tell me that but let's just say I heard it from extremely reliable sources. What Dan did tell me in the first half of the show was a bit about his background and about many of his creative endeavors. One of those endeavors is his music. And in fact, the song you're hearing right now is Rivertown, performed by Poison Love. I'm feeling way down, way down. your voice. To me, you sound like Neil Young singing in tune, which, you know, he doesn't always do. What? Uh, what, what got you into playing the fiddle, first of all? The fiddle kind of occurred to me when I was really young, but I didn't play much till I was about 30. But uh, it kind of struck me as a vision one day. I was driving along the Columbia River in, in Oregon, and I just became totally, it became very, very important to me to, to learn to play it. And, you know, that's, that's how I was attracted to it. Hmm. And so what did you do with that 
urge? Did you go out and get lessons or did you just, well, first of all, you had to have a fiddle and then you had to learn. Did you teach yourself? What did you do? Yeah, I tried to teach myself. The fiddle's very, very hard to do that mm. unless you're playing, you know, like a certain level, but you can't get beyond that. And yeah, I would just play scales. I mean, I could hear. And we had a fiddle, an old one that belonged to my grandfather, my who I never met, but he was a French man and uh, he had an old fiddle. He was a barber in Brooklyn. And uh, I don't know if he ever got very good at all, but uh, you know, the fiddle is uh, a life's work. Yeah. Um, I wish I had had better uh, teaching teachers with it, but I, I love playing it. I, I love the sound of it. And, uh, and it's been a tool, like we did these dances for about 10 years. And uh, we had some fantastic, like ecstatic contra dances. The biggest we ever had in the Galilee Grange Hall was 100 people. And it was a Christmas time and we had it all decorated and the lights were low and Casary Jackson sang jingle bells in her unique style. Oh. And uh, we had musical moments like that really good players. Like I was the lead and I had written a lot of the songs, the fiddle tunes, but these uh, the percussion and could get this intensity going and then you would build on it. And, uh, you know, we had all kinds of hilarious things going on with people dancing and then they'd go vomit somewhere. Oh, God. <laughs> My wife uh, was dancing and then she just fell, tripped and fell right on the floor. Then she just jumped back up and got right back in the line, smiling the whole time and mm. a million stories from the dance. So. Didn't you tell me also... Um, that you didn't even know you could sing until about eight years ago. What's the story behind that? There was a group of people that we kind of loosely got together at the Contra Dance, and then they wanted to... Doug Rogers is a really good songwriter, singer. They invited me to come in as the fiddle player. Uh, but then there was a certain opportunity to sing, and, and Chip Ferrelli actually was the one that just he wouldn't let me say no. He said, you're singing this time. You're singing this song. He let he eased me in. I would have never done it. So well, thank you, Chip. Yeah, certain people, they can create magic. Mm. And, you know, without that, I never would have done it. My yeah. whole life would have been different. But anyway. Well, you know, um, I, I really appreciate how you utilize other creative skills to add to the musical experience. And I want you to tell the audience about your rotating stages. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I have a large rotating stage that, that will accommodate about six people per side. And it has a curtain between the band. So the one behind is being set up while the front one is singing. And then you simply turn the whole stage. It's on wheels. It shows up as a trailer. So I pull it in. It has a 14-foot projection screen that I made that's on a little pickup truck. And it's just on and on. But the rotation really works because there's no waiting. Like, you know, oh, wait, the time, the sound, the this, that. It, it just rotates. When this, when this band is done playing, the new band just shows up. And it's very funny, very comical. So mm. we did 
we did we used that one uh, at the Union in Narrowsburg, and now I have built another one that's at Rafters that I'm just getting together. But it has a two six foot discs, and I have put in a ship captain's wheel that you turn, and then the discs slowly turn around. So we, you know, they'll they'll have some very creative uses for it, but it's not even finished yet. So. Oh, that's exciting. I can't wait to see that. Yeah, it does. It adds a lot of stagecraft is what it is. You know, Wagner did that. It, why shouldn't we all do that? You right. know, like just keep pushing it. I'd like to see it. I mean, it sounds absurd, but I have a boat. I was working on a stage to get it out in the river for the, for that was for the, um, the canoe races that they have in June. Yes. Uh-huh. And I was thinking it'd be really cool to have uh, free popcorn and a band just out in the river. And it would be, but it's very impractical because you only <laughs> use it once a year. It's a lot of work, you know, probably. Right. Be, but those kind of ideas turn my head. Like, why not keep pushing it? It's what the culture needs. We need to have more fun. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's and, just jump back for a minute to uh, Poison Love, if we, if you don't mind. Okay. There's two others in the band besides you, your wife, Joanne, who I mentioned before, she writes the music. And you also have a percussionist. His name is Thomas Dearheart. He makes drums and he does all kinds of things with audio. I was wondering, who came up with the name Poison Love and what does it mean? We were struggling with the name and suddenly my wife's just got a whole lot of Italian blood, which means she can do anything. And, you know, being a cook, she's a great songwriter. She's an executive, anything. And so uh, she came up with that name. It struck her very strongly. We were driving in the car. I wasn't sure of it. I am now. And it's kind of a mixed message. And I like that about it. It's duality. It, it, you don't take it literally. Like people say, love and poison are not the same thing. And that's a literal person, right? Mm. But it's really a play on words and about uh, duality. Mm-hmm. But I on the other it's... hand, it's not about anything. How about that? You know, how about it's just play? It's yeah something. Well, you can make anything out of it if you want to. Yeah. You don't have to. Yeah. Well, you know, on your website, it it clearly states that the band is committed to community building through the shared experience of live music. Mm -hmm. What what effect have you seen, if any, of music having on the community, especially during COVID? Well, there's quite a music scene uh, here now with Rafters Tavern in Calicoon. Uh, There's some very, very good, inspiring people there. And it has a very predictable result on the community here. You're, you're looking at people that refuse to not ask questions, to keep their head down and do what they're told. These people don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's very refreshing and loving you know, <laughs> connection. And it's for young people to say, hey, I don't have to be stuck. I'm a warrior. I can get out there just like anybody and fight. So... You know, that's it has a great deal of effect on uh, the culture. And it's not real obvious. Like if you sing a song and you look out there, you won't see somebody. Although we have seen immediate reactions, certainly. But 
you know, it's just a beautiful thing to be in the conversation. One of many people that are involved in this kind of thing that it's very deep. You know, it's really fantastic for us that now there's a lot more people getting vaccinated and things are loosening up a bit. Have you and the band booked any gigs? Well, we were very careful with that through the winter, but we have, uh, let's see, on June the 5th, 7th to 9 p.m. at Rafters, we're going to be playing back there. Um, And then we have numerous gigs throughout the summer, outdoor ones, which we have Mm -hmm. a, a little Toyota pickup truck that I built a big stage on top of it. And it's really nice. It has umbrellas and a whole sound system. And we just show up in about half hour, it's all set up. And then we play outside. Yeah, it's painted really, really interesting colors. And, you know, it's a, it's whimsical. Mm -hmm. And then we have the Upper Delaware Musicians Collective, which we're just putting together. But we have it, the legal part of it, it's a a nonprofit corporation for musical performance and education and this is involves the big rotating stage with the uh the movie screen and then like i made one of our musician friends uh her name is kathy geary and i made her i made her head eight feet wide because <laughs> the camera can do funny things you know so she was singing up there i don't know if she even realized i did that but <clears throat> It creates a real spectacle, and we did it at the Union. It's a nighttime thing, of course, with the movie. And then we have um, radio transmission to cars. So, you know, farmers can come. Anybody can come. People that don't generally go out can come. And we're working on creating a magical experience. We will have food there. The last time we did it, uh, they had built four bonfires that was really nice because it was so cold. It was the 17th of November. Mm. And uh, we're, we're thinking of some fundraisers to do with this thing because people come and we can pay, like we can get five musicians and actually pay them because we'll get sponsorships. You know, this is what we're working on. And that's, you know, one of many things, but it's exciting. Oh, it's so great, Dan. And I have to tell you, it's really been a pleasure speaking with you. And I'm going to be looking for that van with the stage on top, or maybe the popcorn maker popping away somewhere in the Catskills this summer. I just want to thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, yeah, I, I had a really nice time. I'm, I'm going to have a shop in Calicoon soon as well. So. Oh, yes. Yeah, right across from the car wash in Calicoon. That's the space is finished. I'm just doing my work to get in there right now. Okay. And that's a different work altogether. There are large paintings and dining tables. And they're all things that I created. They're not just tables. You know, they're they're very unusual that you'll find. You've never fantastic. seen it before. That's fantastic, Dan. Thanks again. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. This has been Catskill Character with today's guest, Dan Brinkerhall. The website for Poison Love is poisonloveband.com. You can also find them on Facebook. Catskill Character is on WJFF at 11.30, all but the last Saturday of the month, when Greg Triggs is on with Travels with Triggs. Please tune in again for more conversations with fascinating characters of the Catskills. 
I'm your host, Donna Fellenberg, and as always, I thank you so much for listening. Stay safe. Everything's clear in the river town. Magic is here in the silent sound. Heaven is near in the river town. Support for Radio Catskill comes from the Calicoon Theater an updated vintage movie theater with new releases, film festivals, nostalgic screenings, live music events, and more. Information and schedule at thecalicoontheater.com. Support for WJFF comes from Two Queens, offering coffee, tea, and bees. Located in Pete's Plaza, Narrowsburg, New York. TwoQueensCoffee.com. And from listener donations at WJFFRadio.org. The Keane family from County Galway is legendary in Ireland for its fine traditional folk singers. We'll hear them all next time on The Waggler the Monkeys with me, Graham Rice, here on WJFF. Join me, please, on Sunday afternoon at 3. WJFF Jeffersonville, W233AH Monticello. Support comes from the Homestead School, Montessori Education, preschool through early college with campuses in Glens Bay and Hurleyville, building the intelligence, creativity, connection, and skills for an ecological future since 1978. Homesteadschool.com. From the River Reporter newspaper in Narrowsburg, New York. Riverreporter.com. And from listener donations at wjffradio.org. Support for Radio Catskill comes from the Neversink General Store, featuring an award-winning chef, smoked barbecue year-round, local products and catering, now offering takeout, neversinkgeneralstore.com. And from listeners.